Good morning. Uh, it is truly a joy for us to be here. Uh, <clears throat> one of the reasons we like to come to the low country uh, to vacation or spend time to relax is because we can come and worship with you all. You see you all? I'm doing that. Y'all, uh, y'all, okay, y'all. I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning. I like to say that my accent is from the deep south. You, you go all the way down to Florida and turn left and a couple of islands down, that's Puerto Rico, so that's, that's a deep, deep, deep accent. I always, I always like to say that I hope my accent is not a distraction, but a reminder that the unity that we have in Jesus and one day from all nations, we will gather and worship him. And in a time that society and politicians are telling us, you need to divide yourself because of your race or how you look. No, we have a bigger unity in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is family. Uh, so it's such a joy to be together with you today. Uh, one thing that, uh, a couple of things uh, I wanted to mention that Sovereign Grace is now creating like a team for Latin America. So that's going to be a lot of help. I'm looking forward for that. And if you can pray, pray always for my family. Uh, I get to go places and they come with me uh, often, but uh, if the, one, the, one of the main reasons I can travel is because of the strength that God has given to Kathy and our family in, in the gospel. So uh, they're a big part of what's happening. And I just want to say your pastor, uh, Mike, uh, he's, he's a big influence in my life. I, I'm not, I'm going to make a joke, but it, truly. Uh, <laughs> since pastor's college, there's a, I was trying to find the right word. It's not a quiet, but it's a, and non, it's a humble leadership. That's the way to describe it. It's a strong leadership that is not in your face, uh, kind of like strength, but, uh, and I, I always want to be more like him. I can be very loud, very like out there, uh, and I want to grow more to be uh, like him in that area. Uh, I have seen that I've influenced him some. Uh, he's having now the Spanish telenovela kind of hair thing going on, so he, he kind of like, you know, he got it from me, so I'm going to take credit for that. <laughs> if you can open your Bibles in Romans 1, we're going to go to a passage that is being, it's very familiar in these times, Romans 1, 18 to 32. And uh, let's pray and go and, and look into the, the Word of God. God, we're grateful for your mercy and your kindness toward us. We breakers of the law that you have saved by your grace, that we can be aware, let us be aware how deep our sin can be so that we can be grateful for the great salvation that you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. I have a picture I want to show you before we start. Uh, I don't know if... So... Look at that picture as I tell this story. In 2010, Garrett McNamara, a big wave surfer, arrived in the town of Nazareth on the coast of Portugal in search of the white whale of the sport of surfing, the 100 foot wave. Nazareth is a small town that becomes active in the summer due to its uh, beaches, but falls asleep in the winter. A local sport fan had written to McNamara for a few years, 
to make an exploratory trip to the area to consider the winter swell of the Playa del Norte. McNamara arrived at the lighthouse right next to Playa del Norte, the place where those monsters form in the winter season. McNamara knew as soon as he arrived of the potential of this town, which could overcome the swell of towns like Mavericks in California and Jaws in Maui. In 2011, McNamara broke the world record by surfing a 78-foot wave right in front of the iconic lighthouse, and you can see that there. Several years later, 2017, a Brazilian surfer managed to run an 80-foot wave, and last year, a German one did an 80-plus wave. The secret of Nazareth is not necessarily the external conditions, the wind or geographical position that are important, but the secret is a huge sea canyon that is located right in front of the famous lighthouse. It is, it is three times deeper than the Colorado Canyon. When the tide rises due to atmospheric events, the water that enters the canyon comes out at the surface in the form of these gigantic waves. You see, what causes this monster is not something visible. It's something internal and deep in the sea. And the deeper the canyon, the more intensify the external effect of the waves. Our external scene is a reflection of our internal canyon. External aspects may affect our lives, and we can see aspects of our lives being affected by circumstances surrounding us, but we can never forget that our deepest problems come from inside of us. It's this deep canyon that we have that sometimes come out of us in sinful attitudes and sinful behavior, that we sometimes even get, are like surprised with ourselves in the way that we react. And Paul is about to show us how deep that canyon can be, how deep can be in our lives. If we don't pay attention to it, he can come out with big waves. And part of what Paul is trying to do in the book of Romans is to first show how deep is the sin in our lives so we can know and appreciate the gospel. Because if we don't understand how deep the problem is, we will not have an appropriate appreciation for the great salvation that we have. Paul is aiming at something, appreciation for the gospel, at understanding that justification can only be by faith. I'm going to repeat that. Romans 18 is not only there to tell us that people do sinful things and we can look at them and say, oh, we're not going to do that. Romans 18 is there to tell us the only hope that we have is justification by faith. When we get to Romans 3, we see that clearly. So let us read Romans 1, 18 to 32. Pray for me. This is, this is the hardest part for me to preach in English, to read scripture. <laughs> for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has showed it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkening. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in their loss of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for the woman exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relationship with women and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for the error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all matter of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, and malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, odd, boastful, investor of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Do they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die? They don't only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. We give thank God for his perfect word. When people arrive to Iglesia Gracia Soberana, the church that I have the honor to pastor in Gettysburg, Maryland, they usually ask us something like that after a couple of months, maybe sometimes it takes a couple of years, but they will ask something like, why do we talk so much about sin? Why do we keep talking about sin? And the answer usually is until we don't understand how deep our sinfulness is, we are not going to appreciate the work of Christ. I hope they see that we talk way more about Christ and we're pointing that our only solution for our sinfulness and our fight against sin is Christ. But the reality is if we are not aware of the situation that we are facing as human beings and the death of our sinfulness, we will not be appreciated. We will not be thankful of the work that Christ has done on behalf of us on the cross in Calgary. And, the, and if, if we see this, this, this aspect, this passage, it's usually used to, uh, especially in this time that we live, it's used to point out at the excess in immorality that the world is, is going after. But we have to guard our hearts not to use this passage as a weapon against people and use it as something that takes us to see how deep we can go if we allow sin to control our lives and that we have to really be trusting and believing and being uh, covered by the work of Jesus Christ because if not, we can end up in the same situation. It's interesting because just before Romans 1.18, Paul is talking about the power of the gospel, the salvation for all. It's this, this great passage that we like all to say that the gospel is the power of salvation. And we will think that he will move to talk about that power. 
we will think that after saying such a statement in verse 16, 17, that he's saying the gospel is the power of salvation for all those who believe. I'm kind of translating from Spanish. He will start talking about, okay, these are the benefits of the gospel. This is how the power of the gospel works. But he goes really quickly to see the depth of sin. Why does he do that? Why well, he doesn't go to Romans 3.21 when he said that the gospel is the power of salvation? Because if we don't understand how deep is our problem, we're not going to appreciate the great salvation that we have in Christ. And he's going to make sure that everybody knows everybody is in the same situation. We are all in the same position and we all need the same gospel. And once we get that gospel and we understand the depthness, that should explode. Instead of waves of sin, it should explode in waves of thankfulness because our salvation can only be achieved through justification by faith. So until we don't appreciate, we don't understand, sorry, how deep is our sin, we will not appreciate the gospel. I'm going to repeat that. Until we don't understand how deep is our sin, we will not appreciate the gospel. I forgot to ask, like, this is gringo or Hispanic timeline for, for the sermon. Don't worry, don't worry. Uh, point number one, the wrath. For, for Puerto Ricans, gringo is endearing, okay? So it's, when I say that, it's kind of a, a term of endearment. Point number one, the wrath of God is revealed. People suppress the truth. Verse 18. For the, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has showed it to them. What he's saying is that, that, that's the, 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 that we should live by faith. We are, it's just before this, this passage that the power of the gospel is salvation and that, sub, and that we, we are justified by faith. But then it, it turns against this justice, this wrath of God that will come against those that are not justified. And he's saying something. The wrath of God is revealed from a place. And I think that's an important part sometimes we skip He's saying that God's wrath with all we deserve because we all have sinned. We were born in sin, but we also all have sinned. We all have. Sometimes we, we said, you know, living in a fallen world is so hard. You know, our Adam, Adam is in English. Adam and Eve, Adam, you know, he sinned and he put us in this position. But we forget that we have also cooperated in the fallenness of this world through our sin, through our broken relationship. We were telling one of, our, one of my kids a couple of weeks ago, like, our, our sin is communal. It's never, it's never by myself. I, my sin affects other people. What I do has an effect with others. So, so we are in this condition of a fallen world, and God deservedly is pouring his wrath on people that have sinned against him because he's a holy God. And that's what he says from heaven. God is in this place where he, uh, he lives. And it's a place where there's no sin. And God opposes sin justly. 
And that's one thing that we need to understand if we're going to appreciate the gospel. What we deserve is the wrath of God. In this world now that talks about justice, and I think that word and is being abused, because I think we need to, a lot of people deserve mercy. Justice is you get what you deserve. You did something wrong, you deserve a punishment. That's justice. You did something right, you deserve a reward. That's justice. Mercy is you give somebody to somebody that doesn't deserve it. So we should be talking more about mercy instead of about justice, because when we talk about justice in these terms, it gives people a turn of entitlement. And the last thing a believer should be an entitled person because we don't get what we deserve. If God would have given us what we deserve, we all would be in hell right now, deserving, taking the, the punishment that we deserve, which is eternal. So to appreciate the gospel, we need to understand and we need to start from this position that we deserve the wrath of God. But in verse 18 it said, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So what we do, or what people do, but we do also that, we suppress what is truth by our sinful actions. And one thing that I have a, a burden in these times for the Hispanic world, but I think for the church in general, is that we like to talk about these big categories, abortion, we like to talk about these big categories, the LGBTQ situation. We would like to talk about those big categories, but we don't see how in lower ways we do or, or support that kind of philosophy. And then we say, why are kids are ending up embracing some of those philosophies if we taught them that these things are wrong? But what we were doing is we were supporting the philosophy in a behavior that is not as threatening. Did I make myself clear there? What? Okay, so I'm going to give an example so you guys can, can get it. So we suppress the truth. That's the problem. That's we, the reason we deserve the wrath of God is because we suppress the truth. And a lot of times the church, we, we put our attention. I'm going, I was going to say one of those words that I, I cannot say in English because it sounds like a curse word, so I'm trying to... <laughs> Reframe myself. My, my wife knew which one I was going to say. We, we laser in uh, our attention to the abortion issue, the LGBTQ issue, but we don't see that sometimes we support philosophies that can take us toward that behavior. I'm going to give an example. Abortion. It's clear by scripture that is unbiblical. But Abortion comes from a philosophy that makes the human being less human, puts it down. And I'm going to touch the golden calf of the 2020s. We have our little dog. We treat it like a human being. We call him baby. We say he's our child. We put him little clothes. We put him in a stroller. <laughs> but when it's inconvenient, we take it to the bed to put him down. So when we treat a pet like a human being, we're not elevating the pet. We're diminishing the human being. By our, by our unrighteousness, 
we suppress the truth. LGBTQ, at the end, is about independence, it's about autonomy, it's about I can do whatever I want. And we tell our kids, you can be whatever you want. You can be whatever dream you have, you can do it. I will support you to the end. Live your dreams. What, what, study what makes you happy. Not what can benefit society, not what can be a blessing to our community that we live. It's what makes you happy. And we keep pushing those lies in a lower level that feel safe, and they come on out of the canyon like a big wave because we're suppressing the truth. So until we don't understand how deep is our sin, we will not appreciate the gospel. Point number two, the wrath of God ignore. There's lack of thankfulness. We saw the wrath of God revealed. We suppress the truth. Point number two, the wrath of God ignore. Lack of thankfulness. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely, his external power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the thing that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they need not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish heart were darkened. So what he's saying is when we suppress the truth, when we suppress the truth, that takes us to a place of being not thankful. When we suppress the truth of what God is, what we deserve, that takes us to a place of not being thankful. And what he's saying is he, it's, it's, it's clearly that there's a God. It's clearly, there's, it's clearly that he's the creator. It's clear that we have to respond to him. But because we suppress the truth, we're not even more thankful for the thing he has given us. We become entitled. We become in this position that we deserve things. And we become in this position that we are always grumbling. And we're always grumbling now. We live in a society that we're always grumbling. We have more wealth than any time in history. We have better lives than, 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 than that, that King Louis whatever, or King George V, put, put the number. We have better lives. We have toilets that you can flush and everything goes out. That's better than any king in the 16th, 17th centuries. We have air conditioning. We have Starbucks. We were driving, we drove from Hilton Head, and we need the fix. We need a Starbucks before, before coming to church. And you get there, and they get you the coffee, and, and we should be like, whoa! There, there were beans somewhere in Ethiopia, and right now there's like this brown goodness coming out of there that is going to be inside of me. But we don't live like that because we have suppressed the truth. We don't understand how deep the canyon is inside of us and what we deserve. We deserve the wrath of God. And he says here that there's no excuse. We are without excuse. Nobody has excuse. That's the point that Paul is trying to bring in Romans 1 and 2. Nobody, nobody can say, well, you know, I didn't know this part. Nobody gave me the memo. 
It's funny, when, when the pandemic happened, I, I kept traveling, and you went to Texas. They didn't get the memo. <laughs> I, I came here, and you guys were, you know, kind of, you know, I came to South Carolina. You guys were doing okay. But man, in Texas, they didn't get the memo. Actually, I got COVID in Texas a, a year ago. <laughs> but, but the point is, we, we know things are clear, but we suppress them because we want to live independently with autonomy. That's the word of, the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of, of now. People want autonomy. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me that Sundays are important. I will come when it's convenient and if my kids I think it's good enough in sports. I will come when I can make it because he's going to be the next Michael Jordan and the kid is a little fat and he cannot jump, but you think <laughs> that he's going to be the next Michael Jordan. Because we suppress the truth. Even that truth, he's a little, he's small, he's not fast, kind of uncoordinated. <laughs> but AAU, they will take your money all day long. Bring the cash. But we suppress the truth. And I'm, I'm making those examples to show that we suppress many truths. If you see later on in Romans, Romans 10, what he's talking, we, we, when in Romans 10 we talk a lot about, uh, and Romans 11, about, about Israel, but the, the sin, the, the way we suppress the truth is about unbelief. We live fearful instead of thankful. What he's showing there is we... Israel, the promise of Israel is continuing in the church, but look at the Old Testament. Don't, don't do what they did. They didn't trust. They, 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 they sin of, the, the sin that they committed was unbelief. And really fearful, which is one of the biggest ways of showing unbelief. Constantly fearful. And, and it's like fear, fear is a human experience, but sometimes we don't fight it. And again, Sometimes we don't fight the, the little fears, the irrational fears. We were in Spain a couple of weeks ago, great vacation. One of the benefits of flying all over is you get miles and then you can go places. And we were in Spain and we were in this place called Ronda. It's beautiful, it's, in, like in, it's a city in a canyon and they connected in the 15th or 13th century these two canyons with a deep, uh, hole there, I don't know how to say it in English, with a, with a bridge, and it's like maybe like seven, eight hundred, a thousand feet, and you're in a, in a bridge. And usually when you are outside of the U.S., sometimes fences, like, it's like there's a, the fence is here, and you're like, come on, put that a little bit up here. And I'm afraid of heights. God is saying it's true. Like in the leaning piece of, the leaning piece of tower, you have like a fence here, you're like, come on. <laughs> Put a little higher. And, and, and there, irrationally, I'm, I'm like, not even want to get close to the edge because I have fear of heights. And it's irrational. They have even good fences there. They actually did it like more of the American way. And irrationally, I don't even want to get close and look because I'm fearful. And I have to fight that because if I don't trust God that the physics of gravity are, are going to work correctly in that moment and that bridge is not going to fall down, but more than anything, if I don't trust that God has ordained if that bridge was going to fall when I was standing there. And we suppress the truth, and we're not thankful because we don't trust in God. 
They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. At the end, this is about idolatry. This is a passage about idolatry, about giving ourselves to our pleasures. And it's a, idolatry is a form of uh, uh, lack of faith. Because we're saying, God, you are giving us this instruction, you're giving us this direction, and we don't trust you. We're going to do it our way. And one of the ways that idolatry comes out is, a, is in, in, in unthankfulness and grumbling. Because we're telling God, come on, God, I, I deserve better. I have done that many times. Small situations, and I deserve better. I'm, I'm your servant. Sometimes uh, I was going to problems of the, of the I, was, I was in Europe vacationing with my family and needed to go to Mexico from Europe to be in a conference. And, and so we get on a plane, we get to Newark, and in Newark, Kathy and the kids went to Washington, D.C., and my plane was going to Houston and then to El Paso, Texas, where I was going to cross the the border to go to Juarez to this conference. And we get to Houston, there's thunderstorms, there's uh, shutting down the airport, there's flooding, and inside of me I'm saying, come on God, I'm going to go to a conference to serve you. If I cannot trust God when the weather, that he controls the weather, is doing something, I'm living a world that is around me, not around him. Because when we are worshiping ourselves and that canyon, usually that's the place it takes us to worship ourselves, it comes out of a lack of contentment. And most of our sins come out of lack of contentment. Pornography. Why a married man look at pornography? He's not content with the provision of God toward him. And, and, and actually in marriage, if you want a good advice on pornography, the best biography for marriage is thankfulness. If you're thankful toward each other, that will come out with uh, expressions of love in many ways, and one of them is physically. But when we are unthankful, we're grumbling. It's like, I deserve a model. I deserve a man that is more godly, or I deserve a man that he doesn't scratch under his pants when he's in front of me. See, until we don't appreciate and understand the deep of our sinfulness, we, we will not appreciate the gospel, and it will come out on ungratefulness. Again, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So when we read Romans 1, 18 to 31, we have to sometimes, we, we like the part that I'm going to read now because it makes us feel superior. You see, I'm not doing those things. I'm not, I'm not, you know, committing those sins. And the reality is the Bible shows that, that there's a hardening of the heart when those things are happening. We're not, it, it would be unwise to say that it's, you know, it's, there's something there that is important that we see. But at the same time, we need to see we many times think the same ways that take people to go into those places with some ungratefulness. How can a man end up, married man, end up in an homosexual behavior because he was ungrateful for the provision that God gave him on his wife? 
It starts in, in that heart that is telling God, you are not giving me what I want. I deserve better. And we return to the lies of the garden. Verse 23, and exchange the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the loss of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonor of their bodies among themselves. In Genesis 3, 5, he said, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. That's what Satan told the man, the woman. And this is interesting because you will say, well, what is the, what is the problem with knowing good and evil? It would be like a good thing if we know what is good and evil because then we can discern. Actually, what, what the passage is trying to say in Genesis is that you will, you, will, you, will, you will be the one saying what is good and evil. You will be the one determining what is good and evil. And that's at the end. We suppress the truth. We become ungrateful, and then we say, I can be the moral compass of my life and of everybody else. I am the one that determines, this is good, this is bad. I'm the captain now, like the famous movie. And I have to say something. This is something that I, that I tell myself. It always starts with the small things. And in two weeks, I could be doing Romans 26. In two weeks, that's all it takes. I believe that. The reason I believe is because I know how deep my canyon is. And that keeps me in a grateful attitude toward God and a, and a position to be vigilant. That these waves don't come out of me. Sometimes we, we, we come to the Lord, we, we see our sin, we get saved, we, our, sin, our sins are washed away, and we are like in cloud, cloud seven or cloud nine, what do you say? Cloud nine? Okay. And then little by little, we start thinking that we can do this on ourselves, and, and that awe of the gospel starts diminishing. And we need to understand we could be the one that God gave us to the loss of their hearts because that's what happened with Israel. And we don't want to end up in that position until we don't understand how deep is our sin. We will not appreciate the gospel. Point number three, wrath of God apply. He give us to our passions. There's a big word going around, and I'm a big proponent of that word, liberty. But the problem with liberty is that it's being used in a, not in a biblical way. Liberty is not the ability to do what you want. That's not liberty. It's, that's not, that's not like a Christian principle. Let me alone. Let it be. You do what you want. I do what you want. Let me live. That's not a biblical, a biblical principle. Biblical principle is about living in virtue, about showing things that are beautiful, about things that are worthy. Liberty is, if we take liberty in that way, we end up as slaves because we will do what we think is right. We will do what we were saying. Okay, this is the way that is right. You just leave me alone. Pastor, don't tell me. Don't mess with my Christian liberties. And that's the next book I'm, I'm writing on Christian liberties. But people are using Christian liberties, which are important because we want to fight legalism for licentious lifestyle. 
Liberty is not to do what I want. Liberty is the freedom to be able to pursue what God asks us to do. And we can only do that through the gospel. That's what uh, God did with the people of Israel. It took them out of enslavement to what? To serve them. And it's the same thing with us. Our liberty is to do what God called us to do. What is one of our biggest expressions of liberty? What we were doing right now. To gather in a church Sunday on your free expression, coming to say, God, I want to publicly say that I belong to you. That's the one of the, but that's a responsibility that we have before God. Our liberty is our ability to fulfill our responsibilities. And when we think liberty is, I can do what I want, you are going to end up giving to your passions. You see, God gave them to their passion because they did not repent it. And this is repeated in this passage. It's like a gavel, a judge saying, making a statement. If you want to, if you want to throw yourself to your passion, I'm going to give yourself to your passions. Oh, let the fear of the Lord be in our lives. That we don't take lightly that our loving God is also a righteous judge. Therefore, God gave them up in their loss of their heart to impurity, to the dishonor of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. It's interesting because we are living this right now in society. People are defining themselves about how much Sex, how much their sexual behavior deviate from what God has created. And that actually, that gives them brownie points. The more you deviate, the more authority you have in society. So there's like an incentive to run toward that. But it's funny to say, gave them up in the loss of their hearts. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to be drag queens to be given to our lust. And that's something that we have to be very careful not to, we don't want to be legalistic, but we also want to dress in a way that honors the Lord, that is not trying to invite attention of others. We want to behave in a way that, that, that shows honor to our other people. Because we, we don't have to be doing those things to, to have lustful hearts. And, and, and lust comes out of lack of thankfulness because it's the desire of something. You're desiring something that you cannot get and you are lost in all of it. It comes out of saying, okay, I don't believe God. I don't believe what he's giving me is the best. I don't believe that uh, a teenager dressing modestly is a good thing for me. And we suppress the truth even though we know it's not right. And we continue to live those ways. And the scary thing is, like, we can, we can move in that direction that God say, okay, that's what you want? Go ahead. And that's the wrath of God. When he throws ourselves into our sinful hearts, oh, God, be merciful toward us. And Romans 2 makes the point that we can do the same thing with religious observance. The same thing that we can do toward 
just living sensual lives, we can do with religious observance. We can become this idol. That we, you that teach somebody, don't do what you teach. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to the son of all passion. For the woman exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the man lies who gave up natural relations with woman and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committed shameless act with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. It's interesting because the passage said that the, those actual acts that right now are being celebrated is the due penalty for the error they're, they're making. And I don't want to talk much about this, this, this portion, but th what the point is, when we allow the canyon to control our lives, there's no stopping of our behavior. We can just go in that direction. And, and you see somebody sometimes that his, he has been in church, he has known the Lord, like Hebrews said, that he has tasted of the Spirit. And then all of a sudden, he's like running as hard as he can to do the opposite. It's almost like, like, a, like a 180 that I, I, if, I'm going to, if I'm going to live this, I'm just going to go all the way. And that should be a reminder of, 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 to all of us. We believe in the doctrine that God will keep and, re and sustain his saints, but we don't play with that. Part of the way that God sustains his saints, the, the, that, that, that doctrine that he will keep the ones that are his, is by us being aware that we have the capacity to give ourselves to our pleasures, to give ourselves to, to our sinful nature. And that's, that's the way, the means of grace that God uses to, to, so we can be in his flock. Verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a device mind to do what ought not to be done. It's, it's interesting. We, we're, living, we're living this, that, that people, there's no rational. Like People are doing things that are complete opposite of what is logical and what is rational. And I think what we need to guard ourselves is that that temptation that we see people doing things that are completely rational don't take us to the self-righteousness of thinking that we're better than them. And then live in Romans chapter 2. And we become Romans chapter 2. We need to, in right ways, say this is false, but do it in a way that we're guarding our hearts, not thinking that we're superior or we're better. And verse 29 forward, what he's telling us, what Paul's telling us is, don't think it's only the sexual behavior, because it's going to take us to almost like a recapitulation Wow, I didn't know I could say that word. Recapitulation of, of the Ten Commandments. What he's saying is there's so many sinful ways that you can give your heart to unbelief and lack of thankfulness toward God. They will be filled with all matter for righteousness, evil, covetous, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, oddly, boastful, inverters of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, do they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die? And this is a part that may come to us. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And I think this is the part that I think the church, we can see, okay, God, show me 
where maybe in ways that I'm not seeing, I'm supporting behavior that is contrary to the gospel. Maybe it's that, that kind of mindset that we, 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 can, we can go after our dreams if we push hard enough. You can be whatever you want. Maybe that's that mentality that is a worldly mentality that we live for ourselves that is going to come out in other moments. Or maybe it's that situation that we don't appreciate the, the, the order of God, maybe in marriage. And maybe we're not relating in a way that is uh, according to, to Scripture. And we are in some way giving approval to those who practice them. We talk about, okay, marriage is between a man and a woman, and then we come home, and there's all sorts of ways that it's not functioning the way that God intended marriage to function. Or maybe also like, we start, I, I, I'm going to be careful because I don't want to be legalistic, but more than ever, we need to start guys dressing like guys and women dressing like women. It shouldn't be like, a, like, like some kind of like, you know, and even my, my, my longer hair, I'm, okay, I'm, trying, I'm trying to look, okay, how much I can grow or not. Because we, we need to send a message. There's not like this unisex kind of situation that we can use I don't want to use an example because I don't want to point out, but sometimes girls dressing in like a boyish way, like combat kind of situation, where I think that combat is for, it should be for guys to go out and, and, and do things like that, you know, so, and I'm not saying maybe 20 years ago that wasn't a big thing. I think right now we need to be very careful why are we communicating with, to the world, even in our freedom, to communicate re the realities of the design of God. So don't say, I'd say that don't use combat gear or something like that. What I'm saying is we think about those things because we don't want to support behavior that is contrary to what God designed. Am I clear on that? So to wrap up, when we understand the effect of sins, we appreciate God's savings grace. So we were in Hawaii April, maybe, uh, late April, beginning of May, and we went to the North Shore in Oahu. That is the world-famous area for surfing. And in the providence of God, I've been reading about surfing, I've been seeing documentaries. I don't surf, I come from a tropical island, I had never been on a surfboard, but I get in this kind of things to get my mind kind of looking something that is not theology, and so, I was looking into surfing and stuff like that, and in the providence of God, there was an unusual swell for May. Swells are usually in December, and it was an unusual swell for May. And we went to Waimea Beach in the North Shore, and this is the place where big wave surfing started. We go there, and there's this humongous wave crashing in the, in the sand, 20, 25 feet waves. I have a little video I could show you later on. And there's, there's some people doing body surfing, there's some people doing uh, like a boogie board, you know, kind of situation. And you could see that they knew what they were doing. And then this guy comes in, and he has like a rubber ducky thing. <laughs> like a floaty. You know, one of those. It's, it wasn't even like a heavy-duty float. It's one of those that you, you buy in CVS. <laughs> it was like, a, like a, the most inexpensive one. And he comes in, 
And he starts trying to go down the waves, and the things are starting to crashing him. And he actually, at one point, is able to ride on top of one, and the thing just throw him. <laughs> and he comes back, he takes the, 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 the rubber ducky thing, and he throws it against, he's frustrated. And then you hear this voice. I was like, God, it was, it was the lifeguard. <laughs> this is world-famous Waimea. These waves will kill you, will crush your bone, and chatter your ego. This is only for experts, uh, surfers. If you need direction to the, to the doggy, doggy, uh, doggy, doggy uh, water area, let us know and we will give you directions. The point I want to make with that is that guy didn't know what he was doing, didn't have the proper equipment. He was trying to do something that he couldn't know because he didn't know how to do it. He was using his own means and that's a way that we can give ourselves to our sinfulness, and that's a way that we allow our canyon to come out. The way that we don't look foolish like that guy did is by trusting in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Justification by faith. And when we appreciate justification by faith, we start by knowing, okay, I have a deep canyon, and that can come out, out of myself with a big wave of sin. So we don't look foolish trying to navigate those things on our own strength. We do it by trusting in what Jesus Christ had done completely for us in the cross. The first way that we don't suppress the truth is by saying this. We're sinners, but there's a great Savior. And from there, thankfulness will start to show us in our lives. Let us pray.